Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Knicks Wall Podcast. I am Anthony Corbo. You can follow me on Twitter at CorboAnthony. Joining me, as he does all the time, I've got my good friend Kyle Maggio. What's up, my man? What's going on, everybody? And you can give him a follow at Kyle Maggio on Twitter. Also joining us here on the show, uh, the Knicks Wall Podcast's own Mike Cortez. How you doing, man? What to do? At Cortez Era on Twitter. Uh, we're part of the Blue Wire podcast family. Uh, thanks to our sponsor this week, Roman. You can give us a follow at the Knicks Wall podcast or at TKW podcast on Twitter, at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Uh, head to our iTunes. You'll give us a subscription there. Head to the YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to us over there. Head over to the nixwall.com, of course, and check out all the fabulous writing our writers are putting up over there. Uh, we're going to have a full recap of the game against the Warriors tonight. Uh, we're recording a little bit before that game, so we're not going to be talking about that at all on here tonight. But right before, uh, right before we started recording, just as we started getting into things here, uh, we got a, a little bit of a tidbit coming through the news, uh, from SNY's Ian Begley, friend of the pod, Ian Begley, uh, who states that Steve Mills may not be long for this organization. Uh, from what Ian's saying is several members of the organization said this week that they fully expect Mills will be replaced as team president at the end of the season, if not sooner, unless the club somehow turns things around and, Steve Mills has obviously been around MSG for a long time. He got hired there initially in 2003. Uh, he left in 09 and came back in a bigger role around 2013 and, you know, been very famously in the spotlight since then. Um, he's got several years left in his contract, as does uh, Scott Perry. We haven't really heard much about him, but, you know, there's, there's finally a little bit of smoke about uh, Steve Mills, one of, seems to be like one of the most, uh, permanent fixtures of the Madison Square Garden company. Uh, seems like there might be a little bit of smoke around his dismissal or reassignment to a smaller role or something like that. But uh, Mike, let's start with you on this one. Do you put any credence into this report that Steve Mills is going to be fired at the end of the season? No, he just, he always manages to survive. He's like a cockroach. And I do believe he would be reassigned before he's outright fired. But I mean, just to quickly recap what he's done, he hired Isaiah Thomas. He, I think he participated in that trial, speaking on Thomas's behalf. Left in 09, came back in 13, and in between then, the Knicks had their most successful run. He comes back, they go immediately away from the modern way to play and have been a shit show since. So I can't think of any other reason why he isn't fired already. So I don't see anything changing from what's already happened the last five years that Dolan's going to get rid of him outright. Yeah, I mean, I mostly feel the same way, uh, as we know from the almost anything about me, is that I will believe anything when I see it and not a second before, especially with this franchise. And uh, same rule applies here, because like Mike said, he's the cockroach that you just can't kill. Uh, He's always here and always present. So 
Um, I I don't know. I I don't enjoy him being here. I would really be furious if he was simply reassigned. That to me is troublesome. Um, we should know by now that him simply uh, being associated with this franchise is a bad look and bad things happen when he's here. So uh, I can't fathom why that would be allowed. Um, the only way that this should end is that he gets fired and Perry with him and they clean house yet again for the 1000th time in the last decade. And we start fresh, but um, I just can't see it. I, the reassigning just seems like the more Nick's thing to do and where we'll likely end up in this situation. And he's just not going to ever leave the franchise, but I would love to be wrong. I'd love for Dolan for once to make the right decision. Um, you know, it, it would be nice, but we'll see what happens. See, I don't, uh, I think I'm actually going to go the other way from you guys. I think that, uh, see, all right. I, I don't think that Mills will be outrightly fired. I think the reassignment route is a little bit more of what we're talking about here. Uh, but I think he'll be assigned out of basketball operations. I think that, you know, obviously James Dolan is a, uh, you know, he's a sensitive guy to put it lightly. And, uh, you know, he cares about his money. And I think as much as he's willing to give it out to people, I think he wants, uh, you know, I think he wants to see that people are at least earning the money that he's handing out to them. So I don't think that Steve Mills will be, you know, outrightly taken out of the picture. I think he'll be put into a smaller role on more of the entertainment side of things where he has some background already. Um, but I, as far as Steve Mills running a basketball team or really being involved in decisions, uh, I don't think that that's anywhere really in the future for him. But like we're saying, you know, he he is a uh, longtime associate of Jim Dolan, and he I don't really see him being given the oust right away. I think that he's kind of going to be, you know, for good or for better or for worse, kept around. But I, I do think that he is uh, going to be out of the national conversation for quite some time. Yeah, but he. Like, you know how Dolan said, I'll step away, and he has stepped away in public? I think it's because Mills is there. People give Phil all the rightful shit that he did, but Mills was his GM, so I don't know why he gets right. a pass for that. And he also got a pass for immediately signing Tim Hardaway Jr. and just plummeting cap space. Like, that's just not brought up enough. And then the the trade itself, ESPN report on it that Mills and Perry just basically blew smoke up our ass. Because he never really asked. I mean, Porzingis never really asked for a trade. And I don't know. I'm just fed up, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, the, the the Porzingis stuff that's coming out today is kind of wild. Like, it, it, it's, you know, the fact that I think it was Ramona Shelburne had the report uh, earlier yeah. today. But yep. uh, that, you know, like pretty much everything they said was, uh, you know, like you're saying, just kind of smoke and mirrors going on here. It's that he, uh, you know, really that. There was no demand from Kristaps to be out of here. There was no, uh, you know, there there wasn't as much animosity that as I think has made out to be. And, you know, it was kind of just the Knicks covering their ass. But, you know, I just don't think they really knew how to deal an asset of, you know, that quality. And, and you heard it, like, immediately after the trade, too, that there was, you know, at least a dozen or more teams out there who were confused as to why they didn't even have an opportunity to... Uh, you know, to, to be, to be considered in the trade market, to offer the assets that they had. So, you know, the fact that there were people who weren't even being talked about, uh, or that were, there were teams that weren't even uh, having trade discussions brought up with, and we, all we managed to get back for 
you know, Chris Porzingis or a couple of lower quality draft picks and, you know, Dennis Smith Jr., who has been a non-entity for all of this season and most of the last season since he came over. Like, I mean, that's just not good enough to keep, uh, you know, a president position for sure, but a GM position too. Like, you know, I, I'm so I guess let me ask you guys this question then. Kyle. Let's start with Kyle on this one. Um, let's say that uh, Scott Perry is saved at the end of the year, but Steve Mills goes. What what would be your reaction to a situation like that? If they both got canned? No, uh, Scott Perry is safe, but Steve Mills is gone. I, I mean, I wouldn't be thrilled because I think Scott Perry is bad at his job. So that would be frustrating. I, I don't, I wouldn't get keeping like, like they'd be slowly peeling the bandaid off. It just doesn't make very much sense to me um, if that were to happen. So, I mean, I'd be happy. I'd be ecstatic that Mills was gone, but uh, I, I wouldn't understand keeping Perry based on the horrific job he's done through this part. I mean, it's rare that you see full on, front offices fired altogether, isn't it? Like, especially from the Knicks uh, point of view here, where, you know, they're going to fire both the president and the GM in the same sitting. For me, it makes the most sense. I want to, you know, once again, I would like to establish an entirely new, you know, regimen in here who can kind of work something new in with this team, work something new in and acquiring assets and moving players and, you know, trying to get guys that fit together on the court. I, I would like something brand new to be there on both the president and the GM count. But it's not something that we see very often. I mean, we were just talking about Phil Jackson and, you know, how Mills essentially went from his GM to becoming the president of the team. It just seems like they're going to continue that path where if, you know, Mills is gone as president, then Perry gets moved into the president role and there's a new GM there. And then Perry gets fired as a scapegoat next season. And then whoever the new GM becomes the president. It's just like, it, it just seems to me like they have a bit of a formula to how to avoid this kind of PR pressure. And yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't really know what to uh, what to make of it. I, I'm really kind of perplexed as to what happens at the end of the year here. Like it really could be a situation where one of them is gone, both of them are gone or neither of them is gone. And I really have no idea what to think. I mean, is, does anyone think Scott Perry deserves to stay? I can't think of one move other than Mitchell Robinson. The only thing, and and Ian Begley mentions this in his piece, but the only thing that uh, really Perry can hold on to with his job is that they haven't traded any first-round picks since he's been there, and they've only acquired first-round picks since then, uh, which is kind of an old storyline about the Knicks not having any first-round picks for numerous years, which we've corrected, and it's not really so much a pat on the back, I think, as just kind of like good business. Um, And then the other thing they say is his, uh, his, his draft record so far. And I think that that's kind of mixed, though. Like, obviously, yeah. Kevin Knox looks like a miss right now. Stinks. Um, Stinks. Horrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mitchell Robinson was a good pick in there, too. So you got to give credit there. Oh, no doubt. But, you know, and and RJ is, is RJ. But, you know, when you have the number three pick at that point with the two other guys off the board, it was kind of, you know, from how it looked earlier in the, you know, around the draft time, that was kind of a no-brainer pick. Um, but, and then, you know, Trier's undrafted. So, I would say as much as Perry has had, like, it looks like a couple of hits in there. He's had some misses too. So it's really just the, just the draft compensation they've been able to acquire. But I mean, it's not, it's not like they have, you know, it's not like they've got a pick from a team that's at the bottom or anything like that. So I, I mean, 
I don't see enough personally from Perry's tenure to say that he should be safe, but you know, it, I mean, he also does have a couple of years left on the contract. So I, I don't, you know, it's really, to me, it's, it's super up in the air at this point. His free agent class has just been trash. I can't think, I mean, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong. Any free agent that he's brought in that have given you any type of excitement besides all right, Morris, but anyone else? Uh, no, I mean, I'm going to, I can't lie. I was excited about Randall. Uh, yeah. it just, it, it just didn't work out. It hasn't worked out and we'll see if changing coaches helps, but uh, I was excited about Randall and I thought that was at least a value deal that he had signed. But, you know, I seem to be just as wrong as he was about that working out, at least in the early going. So, I mean, you know, just keeping it a buck, I seem to be wrong about that, you know, that one anyway. Morris, I was excited about. Yeah, but you're about. not the GM of the team, man. Like, that's right. the problem here. Right. Like, you can right. be wrong about this. Right. But my point is, like, you know, I'm not just trying to rip him to rip him. Like, I'm just saying, like, objectively, oh, sure, some, but, some of this yeah. stuff hasn't worked out. Like, even the Marcus Morris thing, which I thought was a, a tremendous value signing, uh, again, because that's an asset if you need it to be like in the situation you're in now. And, um, you know, even that hasn't worked and, and it, you know, it's partly how him and Julius Randall work on the court together in different lineups. And it's just not really uh, conducive for good ball. Typically you want just one of those guys to be your four, you know? Um, so it's, it's just been strange because, you know, they, they sign kind of good guys, but at the same time, it's like, most of the money they tied up, in, you know, just this summer was Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, and Bobby Portis. And you can't play three of those guys together, and you can barely play two of those guys together. You know what I mean? It's like that. Right. That can't happen. Like, it, the, the three of them not being on the court together is one thing. You can make it work staggering and, and being creative. If you can't even have both those, like two of those guys on the court successfully, then well, what are we what are we doing here? The, right. You know, the teardown is easy. That's why I was trying to forewarn people about all the Perry praise. And I have often said in this pod that I like Perry. And I thought that he was doing an okay job, a decent job, a solid job, but we needed to see more. And I was warning people that let's not put the you know the card ahead of the horse here. Like he has to actually build a good team. You know, just drafting players in the draft doesn't mean that they're good players. Just because Kevin Knox is 20 years old does not mean that Kevin Knox is going to be good at 21 or 22 or 23. Like he could be really bad at 20 and then just be really bad period. Right. Like, so, so a lot of it's not really working out, you know, for what he did to build a good team. It's, it's just not that that's how you judge a GM. Where's the progress? How much closer are, are we to whatever the goal is? And yeah, it's a rebuild, but you can't rebuild and all the young players, you know, don't improve almost at all. And at this point, they haven't. You know what I mean? It's like, the, so what are we doing here? What, what is the point of any of this? So we're gonna let we're gonna get into uh, Mike Miller's now role in all of this. Now that, like Kyle is saying, you got to work out something with the rotations. And David Fisdale is no longer around. We have a new head coach in here, uh, at least on an interim basis. But uh, before I do that, I wanted to tell everyone out there about. Our, uh, our sponsor this week, Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. 
But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is pretty straightforward, simple and discreet. Getting started is simple too. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, guys. Uh, so Mike Miller has been the Knicks coach for two games now. Going to be three by the time this pod comes out after the Warriors game. Uh, we had kind of a close one against Indiana and then a complete blowout against the Portland Trailblazers in uh, Carmelo Anthony's first game against the Knicks of this season, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a few. But uh, I guess kind of quickly, is there any, uh, you know, vivid differences that you're seeing from from what David Fisdale is doing on the court that, uh, you know, that Mike Miller is bringing to the table? Is he running the rotations any differently, like improvements, things that are worse even? Uh, Mike, how are you feeling about this? I was actually encouraged. The Pacers game was obviously better. Uh, the first half, he kind of kept it to where Fisdale had, where he had the same starting unit and the same rotation for the most part. But the second half, you could tell he started to try and put his little spin on it. And one thing I loved was pairing Mitch and Morris at the 4-5. and five. The minute that happened, it was a 7-0 run. Everything looked good. And I know Kyle's had to eat crow before on this pod. It's my turn. Alfred Payton has been really good these last two games. I was dead wrong. This goes for me, too. I mean, I, I, I mean, I still kind of like before he got injured, he was looking pretty good out there and just able to run something. And I was so I, I mean, I, I've definitely been on, uh, I guess, Peyton Island as much as you can be on Alfred Peyton Island. Just quick uh, before we go back to Mike, like I I had actually watched a lot of Pelicans last year, specifically because of Julius Randle. And I did really like what I saw from Peyton, but I was still skeptical because it seemed like kind of looter and the rioty to me and I knew that previously he really hadn't improved much year to year so it didn't feel and like yeah he did improve a little bit last year and nothing crazy but like it still didn't feel it felt inflated to me you know what I mean and then I I just didn't I didn't feel it and then he came here and he's he's been solid for the most part I mean there's there was a couple rough games but I mean he's he at least looks like a point guard you know and and Dennis as much as I love him and believe in him looks lost so it's Yeah, I think half of my Peyton hate was just me rebelling against Fisdale just because of last season. So I will add that grain of salt to that. But getting back to Miller real quick, I just like the way, like he's just doing small little fixes, like just running a bunch of high pick and rolls, post-ups, like RJ had a a post-up on a smaller player. I mean, what a concept. And it's just like the little, like they just felt more aggressive. And then last night they just couldn't hit a shot. A lot of those shots were open. And the Pacers, they got to the point, the Pacers, the Blazers rather, the Blazers were guarding the Knicks like they were facing five Ben Simmons. It was just sagging off, making them shoot. So 
I think just this roster just stinks. Let's uh, let's get a little bit more into this uh, game against the Trailblazers here. Uh, so the Knicks go down one fifteen to eighty seven. Uh, they are now they now have a four and twenty record on the season, one and ten away from home, and are mired in a ten game losing streak before tonight. Um, it was not a good showing at all. I mean, I I just kind of didn't even realize it at the time, but I'm pulling up the box score now, and I'm seeing. One, two, three, four Blazers players who scored more than the Knicks' leading scorer, who was Julius Randle. Um, the Knicks just got simply outplayed at every turn. Dame Lillard scored, I think, 25 in the first half. Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it was just kind of an ugly game all around. A couple of, you know, a couple of spots you can point to. Like Mike was saying, Peyton looked pretty good, even though he, you know, nobody on the team could shoot. Um. So, I mean, but uh, I guess the real story to come out of the night, though, is, you know, obviously we've all, I know everyone at the Knicks wall and us particularly on this podcast have been more than hyped about Carmelo Anthony returning to the NBA this season. And, uh, and you know, he finally got to play against the Knicks for the first time. He comes back to the Garden in early January. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, did you guys, I mean, what did you... I, I guess just kind of like how to feel watching Melo out there again. Does it feel a little different than other times we watched him, like when you play for the Thunder or the or the Rockets or anything? Uh, may, may I? Yes, you may. Uh, are we speaking about Carmelo Anthony? The one and only. I don't know if you guys have heard, but stay mellow. Stay mellow. Uh, TKW has dropped an exclusive limited drop, uh, stay and mellow. it's a, the, the Stay Mellow Pack. It's the Stay Mellow Pack, and we wanted to do something fun. For uh, the only guy who's brought us any positive memories over the last two decades. So uh, we dropped a Portland Anthony jersey, and you can get that in a, a tee or a hoodie. And it looks fire. It looks just like the Blazers uniform. Really, really love it. I'm getting one myself in black. Um, so go check that out. And we also dropped the Knicks one. His, you know, iconic number seven. So stay mellow on the front. Uh, so you can get that in a nice blue. Uh, it looks like the road away jersey. Uh, I like that one personally. But um uh, go drop uh go get that while you still can anyway because we are going to remove those really quickly we're only doing a small batch of those so uh i'll probably let it run for about a week but if you don't get it in the next seven days like that's that's it like and we've said this before but we're actually not bringing these back this time so uh get them while you can uh designtree.com slash the next wall go check it out get these in while you can for uh christmas shipping but uh, anyway, back to the game. Uh, he looks good in a Blaze uniform, man. Looks right. Looks like he should have been there a couple of years ago, you know? Yeah, I'm a fan of it. I mean, he he definitely helps the Blazers and, uh, you know, just get that scoring punch going. He, I don't think he's going to be, you know, he's obvious. Like, I don't know. Do you guys think this is this is the uh, the last year of Carmelo Anthony? No, I think he'll be back at least one more year, maybe even two. Interesting. I- I actually think he might come back to Portland. Like, oh yeah, I, think I don't it, doubt that if they would have. Yeah, him. I, I think, I think if he gives them pretty much what he's producing at, even if he's starting to dip a little bit with the efficiency, like they've needed a quality, like guy who can stretch the floor like that. Even if he's a little inefficient, I think they're they're going to want to keep that around and maybe just try to shore up some of the defensive pieces around him. Right. Um, but 
I'm going to go all in on Mellow in a second here. I'm going to let us turn this into an entirely Mellow talk. But before we do, is there anything on the Knicks side of things that you guys wanted to mention from this game? Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. made a three-pointer. That is important. That is important. That's Ben Simmons level. That's uh, who's the guy? Grant Williams, I think it was, made a three last night, too. And like all Celtics uh, Twitter was going nuts about it. Uh, is that the guy who doesn't iron his shirt? Or is that... Um... Oh, Robert Williams. Oh, yeah, Robert, Lord, yeah, yeah. Whichever one isn't Time Lord. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but I mean, like that is that is important. I saw, you know, like we were saying, nice passing from Peyton out there. There was a nice alley oop from him to uh, Mitchell Robinson from him. Um, yeah, I mean, like not a ton. I I mean, I really didn't walk away from the game with a lot of takeaways. It doesn't. That game really didn't seem like. I mean, that's one of those games where really, like we've been talking about, it really doesn't matter who is coaching the team. It's just the Knicks are going to get shellacked, and there's really not much we can do about it. Yeah, RJ's also been pretty bad. Yes, I don't want to talk about it yet because I want to give him a chance to flip it, but, man, it's been brutal. I will say on that note, just real quick before we go back to Melo, is yes, he hasn't been really good lately, but he still is showing more or less the things that we discussed with him having a high floor. Like I do want to like, I'm not even trying to be like the Homer guy, but like, I do think that's an important part before we get stuck in the efficiency, which shooting, yes, it's a big deal. He needs to work on that. It needs to get better for sure. But just being able to rebound like he does for his position and just being able to pass like he does. And he's actually shown to be a much better defender than I thought he was going to be. You know, it's to me, I like, I'm, I'm very encouraged. You know, I, I think a lot of this other stuff, like he gets into the paint where he wants, he picks his spots. Um, you know, so to me, it's like, it's all there. It's just, he needs to find the touch a little bit. I mean, and we talk about ceilings and floors. Like, just look at how much better, even though RJ isn't playing well right now, like look at how much better he looks than Kevin Knox. He's so polished. Yeah. Like he's like, like that's the thing with RJ. It's hard to describe. Like he he looks so raw, but he's so like composed at the same time. You know what I mean? Like you could see like he's not as fluid, maybe, but like his brain is there. Like he knows exactly what he needs to do, but his body maybe hasn't caught up yet, kind of thing. And uh, I don't want to like romanticize it too much, but that that's a really smart, good young player. And like I think like it's different than when we talk about Knox's inefficiencies. You know what I mean? Like Knox, I'm worried about so much because I don't think he gets the game of basketball in the way RJ does. You know, like I think RJ understands like the flow of the game, what he needs to do on a night to night basis, when he needs to step up a little bit more. Like we saw him with that wild night with the rebounds. What what did he have? Was it 15, 17 earlier in the season? Yeah. Uh, I believe it was 15. Yeah, it was something stupid because I think he tied KP for his next career high. And it was like, it's 10th game or something like that. Yeah. 15, 15, you know, like that's tremendous value to get that from your shooting guard. Like it's so like these things, I don't want to sound like the Homer, but like, these are very important things. Like the inefficiency, like we'll talk about it, but he, his floor game is really nice and composed. Like I, he'll be fine. I'm, I'm fine with it. Brian Gerberman is such a bastard. After this game, he, he did the thing where it's like, don't look. He said, RJ and Evan Turner's rookie numbers, and it made me very sad. Oh no, Evan! Yeah, Tur- don't do but it. like Evan Turner, 
had it's not bad yeah he, it's not he bad, had a but... moment in the like things kind of fell apart for him there was a couple of years in there where evan turner was a very very valuable role player and and you know like a, a i wouldn't say even high-end starter necessarily but like he was he was definitely a starter for a couple of years there he just kind of fell off real bad and i mean they're playing a little bit similar right now but i expect rj's game to mold out differently over the next couple of years like i don't i don't expect him to be quite the passer that he showed earlier in the year uh you know the shooting obviously has got to improve a little bit and probably will but you know i i i see the the turner comparison that gibberman's making but i'm i'm waiting on it uh it's a little too extreme he's for just me. being mean yeah, yeah it's he's a little just... too extreme for me which go figure um um Yes. One more thing. To, yeah. With Kyle, like everything Kyle said, correct. And I feel like I don't know Steve Nash being such a close mentor just gives me blind faith in RJ. I don't know why, but it does. No, that's and, cool. I'll take blind faith. Anything over what we got now. So, um, there. Right, let's turn this. Let's turn this around a little bit here. Um, so obviously Carmelo comes around. Obviously the media is going to have a blast with that one out here. Um, you know, kind of the last vestige of a star player that's existed in New York. Um, and of course, the question comes up: Should Carmelo Anthony have his number retired? Uh, he mentions afterwards that he would love to see the number seven hanging up in the rafters. Um, and I think that it's kind of been a conversation that's split up a lot of the fan base right now as to, you know, what really should connote a player getting his his jersey retired, like, um do the Knicks maybe have a bit of like a uh, bit of a curve going on where it's like, you know, their retired numbers doesn't stack up against some of the other retired numbers around the league. And things are a little bit different because of the Knicks lack of success. Um, But I guess let's just bring it back to the, to the root of the question. Should Carmelo Anthony's number be retired? Kyle Maggio. Oh boy. This is a, a loaded question. So, I'd like to discuss this in the context of the franchise that is the New York Knicks and not what is the normal standard of an NBA franchise or professional sports franchise. I feel like that's where you need to lay the foundation, right? Um, Normally what happens is people who contributed at the championship level or close generally, or, you know, or had a sustained career in one spot. uh, Normally that's what the Jersey retirement is for. Now, there's exceptions to that, obviously, for people who had shorter stints. Um, but normally, that's how it goes. I think, and I know that this is going to be the unpopular opinion. I think they should. I, in the context of what this team has done the last 20 years, um, you know, and, and I don't even blame the, the latter half of his tenure here on him because uh, you sign a deal to be a premier scorer in the league. That That's the deal that they made with him. They didn't make the deal with him to be LeBron James or to be an all-around superstar. They made the deal with Melo the score to extend him and keep him in New York. And they got four years of Melo the score. It's your job as the GM and, and the franchise to build around that. And they didn't. They gave him Shane Larkin and Andrea Bargani and Jose Calderon. And what the fuck were we doing, man? Like, those were such horrible teams. You know what I mean? It's like... So to me, it's like you got him in here. It was a clunky fit. You found a way to make it work, and and then you you ruined it. But 
you know, to me, he still provided. He he did what he was signed to do. He's seventh all time in the franchise in scoring, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, he holds the record for you know the points at MSG. And again, it's it's not much. I'm not trying to over romanticize his tenure here, but I, I just think like you know, nothing has happened here in 20 years. And maybe that's not a good enough reason, but I don't think, you know, it was for his lack of effort. You know, he chose to come back here and try to win. And a lot of players, you know, if they go to another team, had he joined the Bulls or something, you know, he would have been just another superstar in the super team era, joining forces and blah, blah, blah. And he he wasn't tough enough to do it on his own. And that whole narrative that we do all the time. And then, in this instance, he does choose to stay in New York by himself and be the lone star and, and do it the old-fashioned way and wait for the Knicks to get him some help, and, and they didn't do that. And I just don't know how much we can – and he has his warts in his games, and we know about the, the Jeremy Lin thing and the Mike D'Antoni thing. I'm not saying he's perfect, but to me, it's just – I think you got to do it. He's going to be a, a top 10-ish scorer when his career is over. I, I think – the last meaningful years he spent in the NBA were in your team. I think you probably got to do it. It's a bit of an effort conversation too with him, right? Like he is a guy who really, I mean, we watched it very, very closely, but I mean, he gave everything he could every night, you know, pretty much every night on the court. There were certainly a a couple of battles with him and, uh, you know, some of the other teammates he had, you know, there's famously the Jeremy Lin situation, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's been times where he's been a little bit outspoken and everything like that, but he hasn't, you know, he never really, he always seemed authentic while still being optimistic about the Knicks. He never really seemed like he was trying to, you know, just kind of go along with the plan and blow smoke up everybody else's, you know, everybody's ass out there, but he was very much trying to make the best of this situation. And, you know, like you were saying, Kyle, he did everything that he had to do he did everything that he was paid to do. Um, I And I am still kind of torn on whether or not it should, like, in my heart, I obviously want this to happen. Like, obviously, Mellow means a lot to me uh, dur- you know, during my tenure as a Knicks fan. And he's a, probably still my favorite player, you know, that I've had the, the opportunity to watch and just, you know, play the game unlike anybody else. And, you know, he still has so many uniquenesses to his game. Um, but like you said, you know, he didn't really contribute to winning in, in a meaningful way in the playoffs. I mean, he only made the playoffs, what, three times with the team and, uh, you know, only made it past these, you know, into the second round once he, you know, never, never a conference final, never a final appearance. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I think that, if you are going to grade things on the Knicks curve of, you know, you've been around for this long, you've given this much to the team, you've never made it to the finals, um, but you've still been a figure in this, in this organization, then yeah, maybe, maybe the Knicks retire Carmelo's number, but um, like, it's hard, like it's hard for me to imagine a world where, you know, I think that, the Knicks might not might retire Carmelo's number and then the Denver Nuggets might not, you know, it, it's, it, it's an interesting kind of thought to me that like, I, I would certainly let the Nuggets retire his number first and then, you know, let the, let the Knicks do it afterwards. But I don't know if either of those teams really do it. I have a feeling that he might end up being a little bit more of like a Bernard King situation 
where the stint is just a little, you know, a little bit short. The, you know, winning was just not there. And, you know, the uh, exit was not necessarily, um, you know, smooth with the franchise. So I don't know. I'm torn. I think I'm leaning a little bit more no than yes. But uh, I, my heart certainly wants that number to be in the Raptors. Yeah, I think if he does, I think they should also add Bernard and Oakley as well. Just because yeah, Oakley needs to be retired numbers, first, no? I think. I think they, they need much, to make the streak a year of just those three going in, like at different times. Obviously, they need to they need to make the Oakley thing right. Yeah, and and for people who are going to scoff at that or are mad at him over the anti Nick stuff he's done over the last decade, I don't Shut think up. anybody really is. Over. I don't know. I've gotten some backlash on Twitter for like. Hey man, Oakley's got a point. Everyone's just like, shut the fuck up, old man. You know, just, so, so trust me, like they know who they are. If they're, they're listening, there, there's enough of them. So, um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I mean, my thing, they got to make that right. You know, the only way to do, and anybody's going to say anything you don't, uh, Haslam in, in Miami is going to get his Jersey retired. Like sometimes those role play, you know, those role players are good teams. Like they just, that they get that. And in a situation like this, where uh, he's been wrongfully banned, for quite some time now, uh, thrown out of the garden, dragged out. Uh, I mean, you gotta come on, come on, retire, retire his fucking jersey. Come on, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, well, the only retired jerseys are all from the championship team: Ewing, obviously, and Tricky Dicky Dick McGuire. That's, I mean, that's not that many numbers retired. I think they could spare yeah. three. There's also guys like Starks you would have to consider in there as well. Uh, there are other guys other than Ewing from that, you know, from that 90s team. Uh, you know, some people would argue for Mason. Like, it, it just depends on, uh, you know, where the tipping point is with that conversation, I guess. It's just at what point are you retired? Yeah, at, at, where does Mello fall on that divide? Is he, you know, whether he ends up being worthy of that or not i think he's kind of close to the to the line there yeah i think at the added context of Mello coming here when no one else will or at all still i think that has to go someplace and him just sticking it out it's just i don't know i feel like it sounds hypocritical because his numbers just don't like scream you have to retire his number but he's the only one that's come here and I think if you want to argue against it, like I'm, I'm really not going to argue you. Like I understand, like, like this is like me kind of torn both ways, just kind of going, well, I would retire it. I think it's the thing to do with the context of this franchise, but I, it makes plenty of sense if you say no to. It's just, you know, at some point, I, I don't even want to say it's like a participation trophy, but it's like at some point, what we're going to sit through another decade of miserable Knicks basketball and 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 not appreciate any of the stars who come here. For any period of time, it's like, you know, maybe give it to the guy who's here seven years. And, Do you think you it's know. a good like upside PR play too? Like if you like, I feel like they got nothing to lose. Like right? Did they already? They already always make the wrong decision. Try it again. What happens? You get laughed at. I, I you know what I mean? Like what are we? Right. Try it. Right. See what happens. I mean, the Warriors retired Chris Mullins' number. I don't think Chris Mullins led the Warriors in much. I mean, they were a fun team, but he wasn't like. Michael Jordan of Golden State, and he got his number retired. And just to play conspiracy, retirement night was their rock bottom. So right after that, Curry era started. Mm-hmm. So 
Well, like, yeah, and it's like, it's not like they can even say that they don't want to water down the franchise or anything like that. Like, what have we been watching for the last 20 years? Like, you, they have the leniency to retire that and get the PR bump. Also, Kyle, just wanted to say you were dangerously close to your fourth what are we doing here of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but you caught yourself, and I'm proud of it. Also, I just spilled wine all over my keyboard. Uh, before we get out of here today, let's just take a quick look at what the Knicks got coming up ahead of them. Uh, so the Warriors game will be over by the time you all hear this podcast. We don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, do we want to make a bold prediction before that? A lot of missed shots from the Knicks. Uh, do we, is it, is it, is the D'Angelo Russell is back, right? Yeah, uh, I believe yeah, so. that's not going to be good. Yeah. Knicks are going to lose this one. Um, uh, we got the Kings after that on Friday, who the Knicks famously cannot beat. Uh, the Nuggets, who the Knicks also struggle against. I mean, who are we kidding? We're 4-20. Uh, and then the Hawks on Tuesday. So from any of those three matchups, uh, is there anything you guys are particularly looking out for? I know I have my eye on one player uh, on the Kings in particular uh, as a trade target in uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, but... Uh, I guess other other than uh, other than him or including him, what what are you guys uh, hoping to glean from the next few days? Just better basketball, like really, really simply, just better basketball. Like more games, like the Pacers, bare minimum. And I hate the part, you know, like the the uh, moral victories here. I hate those. But again, the bar is hell right now with this franchise. Uh, they need they need to win desperately. This is they're playing the other league worst team tonight. So, you know, maybe just find a way to get a win just one time. It'd be nice. You know, just figure it out. Just please. This should not be worse than a 17-win team a season ago. Just please win a single basketball game. I'm interested in the Hawks game. Uh, Trey versus Frank is my favorite non-rivalry rivalry. I think Trey just doesn't do well against Frank, so that should be fun. And also, I want to see how Cam Reddish looks. I haven't really watched as much Hawks as I've wanted. I just know Reddish has been pretty bad, aside from he, his game against the Nets. I've watched a little. He's been, he's been rough. He's been really rough. What did Coach K do to these kids? Zion can't get on the court. RJ can't hit a shot. Cam just stinks. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, well, lots to come up in the future. Uh we have the beginning of uh, the unofficial trade season will begin uh, before our next recording as well. Uh, so there could be some interesting things to talk about, especially, you know, namely Marcus Morris coming up soon. Uh, some rumors floated out today about him uh, potentially uh, could potentially be moved for a late first round pick, which is exciting to see uh, really quick. Just really, really quick. Give me a quick answer on this one. Is Morris going to get traded for that first at all during the season? Yes or no? No. Yes. Ooh. I'm going to go with no as well um, because that's just how optimistic I am around here. Um, <laughs> until Marcus Morris gets traded, you can follow us at TKW Podcast on Twitter, at the Knicks Wall on Twitter. Go follow at Blue Wire Pods as well. Uh, head to thenickswall.com. Check out all of our great features and all of our stories, previews, recaps, breaking news. Uh, Mike, you have anything new going up anytime soon? 
Yes, on Friday, I take a look at our fourth quarter scoring, and just a spoiler, it's ugly. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Uh, yeah, so go check that out. Check out all the other uh, great work we have going up there. There's always a reason to be excited about the Knicks, as long as the Knicks Walls fantastic writing staff is reporting on them. Um, yeah, I guess that's really about it for this week, so... Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.